It's time for Real Estate Roundup. This is the time every single week we get together with noted real estate agent Terry Story. Terry is a 29-year veteran, 29-year veteran with Keller Williams in Boca Raton, Florida. Welcome back to the show, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve. This next one really bugs me here. How do you tell if a criminal has stolen your home? Yeah. You know, with the rise of technology, it makes it a lot easier to create fraudulent documents that can easily be recorded in the public records. So you need to know that, A, that could happen, Mm -hmm. and B, be aware of signs that it's actually happened to you. We're going to get into that in a second, but you have a story with your mom, right? Yeah. My mom was holding a mortgage on a home and somebody got a hold of her signature and recorded a satisfactory of mortgage. So she had lent money to someone. So she was holding that mortgage. Correct. And then someone came in, fraudulently signed a document that said the mortgage was paid and satisfied. That's right. Ooh, that's bad. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. So you got to be very careful. But there are some signs that you can look for, kind of easy signs to see whether something nefarious is happening. Yeah, that's right. You know, for example, you're getting mail addressed to you in a different name, or you stop getting mail that you normally would get. Those would be signs. And you know, one of the biggest signs, anytime you move, all of a sudden you get an onslaught of unsolicited mail from movers and you know, insurance, insurance and, uh, you know, services, blinds, blinds. blinds. <laughs> <laughs> furniture. So, so yeah. all of a sudden, if you're getting an onslaught of unsolicited <laughs> yeah. mail in a big Ooh, way, right. you need to go That's check a, out your, yeah, your I think public. I think it's the only good thing that we can say about direct mail <laughs> is that if you start getting it, it's a warning sign if you start getting it. Yeah. Thank heavens for direct mail. Yeah. So you just have to go to the property appraiser local website. Yeah. So you go to your county's website and you'll be able to find your deed and you'll be able to find everything. Any recorded instrument is online. Yeah. You can find it there. Exactly. But it's county by county. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, by doing that, checking once in a while, looking for these signs, you can probably stop this criminal behavior. Yes. Hopefully. Put those criminals behind bars. So I I want to talk about some of the things that go on in your world that lay people like myself don't really think about or understand. Sure. So here's a question. Does deposit acceptance, I guess if a seller agrees to take a deposit, does that turn an offer into a contract? No. Oh, okay. Next question. (laughs) Next. (laughs) Deposits often provide evidence of a buyer's commitment to purchasing a house, but it is not required by law. So to have a binding contract to purchase real estate, it only requires consideration, which is defined as something of value offered by something else of value. Okay. So when you have a buyer and a seller and they agree, you have what's called the meeting of the minds. In the case of real estate purchase, buyer's consideration is money, right? So the purchase price is that money and the seller's consideration is the deed to the property. Okay. Sure. So in essence, you don't actually, I mean, we always have deposits. We want deposits. We want large deposits. The reason why you want deposit money was in the event the buyer decides to not go through with the transaction, then the seller has recourse in collecting that money. You know, I've seen a case of client of mine who went to sell a pretty expensive house and he was having trouble selling it. And then someone came in and let's say it was a million or a million and a half dollar house. And the guy was putting down $3,000. And I was, I said to the client, you know, that does not seem like a good faith deposit to me. And it turned out that it was nothing. I don't know what the buyer was 
doing or whatever. Right. But I mean, if someone's putting down a very small deposit on a very expensive house, that is really not good faith. And I think the seller should be aware. Right. It, it, and basically, the buyer is saying, well, geez, you know, I can walk from this for $3,000. Yeah, exactly, that's really exactly. what it boils down to. That's so right. you want it to be painful. Yeah, that's right. And that's why we ask for, for Well, you know, corporations money. do that all the time when they're doing a merger. Right. If the merger doesn't work out, they have to pay like sometimes tens of millions. Of, it's a big company, $100 million to get if the thing fails. Right. So it's painful. Once the other company, what the companies are committing to each other, all those resources and time, publicity and all that, there's pain to get out. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's one. Can a condo owner enclose their porch, so-called, let's call it a lanai, right, without permission of the condo board? Because there's the story here of someone who actually did that. And, you know, it's this idea of taking, a, let's say, a decent sized porch and enclosing it with glass, adding air conditioning to it. So you kind of have a new family room and expands your space. Pretty cool idea. Right, right. But again, if you're living in a controlled apartment area, then it affects other people. Right. Well, you have to adhere to what is written in the documents. And to answer the question, I would say probably not, not without their permission. You've got an association. Everything wants to be uniform and look the same. Lanai's are considered limited common elements. So in other words, it is part of the association's property. You need to adhere to the rules of what they, they say. There's all kinds of reasons. You know, you just can't randomly enclose it. There's the material that you're using that has to be approved. Yeah. You know, if everyone started doing, can you imagine if you had a building and somebody puts black glass, somebody puts white glass, yeah. somebody puts purple glass? That's the point. I, you know, it, it would not be uniform for right. starters. And so, no, you could actually be fined by the association as well. So, whatever you do when it comes to making any changes to your lanai, absolutely get, get the approval yeah, from the association. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We only have a minute left. So, there's a thing called a kickout clause, right of first refusal. I know what that is. Right. I don't really know what a kickout clause is. Are they the same? No, they're not the same. A kickout clause is used, Steve, when, for example, you're buying a house and you have it contingent on the sale of your home. Yeah. And the seller will say, okay, I'll give you a kickout clause, meaning if I get another buyer, you have the rights to remove that contingency and I'll continue with you. I have the rights to accept this backup offer. Mm-hmm. So that's the kickout clause, okay. which is different yeah. than first right of refusal. Yeah, first right of refusal means that I can say no or yes. I, I'm going to take the house, you know, or I'm not. But you, you have to come to me first in order. Right, right, right. And you see that with leases, a tenant's leasing the property and they want the first right of refusal yeah. to purchase the house before you uh, consider a third. That, that's more appropriate for, yeah. Got it. for that. Okay. My guest, as always, is Terry Story. Terry is a 29-year veteran with Keller Williams located in Boca, and she can be found at terrystory.com. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me, Steve.